This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Morning, everybody. This is the one-legged thing service. Praise God. Uh, my wife and I are trying to get back in shape. So actually, I was at the gym a lot, and, and that's how I did this. <laughs> they got signs on the wall, you know, for everybody over 50, don't, don't do this. I did. <laughs> so, so I got an Achilles heel that I found. I never knew I had one, but I've got one. Anyhow, we're going to talk on the family. Um, uh, this is our 26th year to do this, 27th year, I think I've lost count. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I've got uh, two aunts that live to be 100. I have an aunt, Topeka, Kansas, that turns 104 this year, or she is 104. And if she lives another year, she'll be 105. So we have long life in our family. We just live forever. It's not because we're holy. We're just too mean to die. We just, we're just meaner than snot. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to be around a long time. So uh, I got remarried last year. I fell in love again for the second time in my life. And, and uh, my wife's here, and we're sucking lips off each other's faces. <laughs> and so there were family members that said, you're getting remarried? Yeah. Why? Well, you know, I found out I can fall in love again, and so I'm in love again. I said, you getting married? Yeah, I've already told you that, yeah. And I said, well, how old are you? I said, old enough. <laughs> old enough. And so I still like, uh, I realize, I still like, uh, I like the thought of waking up next to somebody in the morning. That's a nice thought. I like the thought of sitting across the breakfast table drinking coffee with somebody. I like sucking lips off somebody's face a lot. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and so uh, all the people that know us around the country were just so excited. You know, they got three on space. The men, like, way to go. Way to go, Jeff. And so uh, anyhow, it's opened up a lot of doors for us. And so uh, we're teaching them things probably didn't teach them before. A lot of blended family teaching. You know, we have more blended families in America than we have core families now. There's more mine, yours, and ours. I don't know whose kids are these, whose are these. And that's, but God knew that was coming. And uh so I said, there's not, a, there's, not a, there's not a blended Bible, there's not a single Bible, there's not a divorced Bible, it's the same book. Uh, God's hanging with volume one, volume two's not coming out. You can go ahead and read this one. And so, uh, and so uh, I, uh, I read the New Living Translation, it's like a greased banana peel, and uh, it's real slick, and so you don't have to struggle when you read it, very modern English, and uh, people said, you leave the King James, because usually in Texas... You see, you don't, you, don't, you don't read the King James? I still study the King James. Yes, I do, because all the books are tied to it, but I don't speak King James. I don't know how to do that. I speak modern English, so that's why I'm going to be quoting this quite a bit. Now, uh, when we started teaching on the family, it was odd because uh, uh, I've been an engineer for years. I love my job, and God dealt with about ministry, so we quit and got a job at a local church. Went back to Bible school, spent five years in the school, you know, two years in one school, three years in another, and uh, finally got out, and so I'm on staff, and I said, what do I do? And they said, you're the education director. I said, well, what are we going to teach them? He said, whatever you want. No, I mean, what do you what's your curriculum? We don't have any. We are a brand-new church of 3,000 people back in the late 70s. It was one of those new charismatic word of faith. We don't know who you are, that we came from everywhere, and, uh, and God was just moving. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing. We had uh, people that asked us, said, do you have a bus ministry? Nope. I think you have a lot of buses. Yeah, we have 
three buses every Sunday morning. We have three Sunday morning services, three buses at every service. Uh, we bus kids away from the church. If you come to our church and you're a child between 5 and 12, they're not allowed in the building. There's a big sign out front. Uh, we don't have room for you. We're going to bus you a mile down the road to the shopping center where you rent it out. And so we do have a bus ministry, but it's the bus kids away. <laughs> and, uh, and so we grew and kept growing. So about five years later, it stopped growing. So all of a sudden, one year, we dropped 3,000, 2,500. Well, huh, that's something. Next year, we dropped to 2,000. The next year, we dropped to 1,500. If that, we dropped to 1,000. We started to talk. What are we doing wrong? We don't know. We don't know what we did right. And so why'd they come? We don't know. We don't know why they're leaving. And so all of a sudden, we realized we had to become a real church. The kind that went out and got, and got people, you know, like you witness. <laughs> you actually had to tell somebody about Jesus. What a shocker that was. But it worked. It did work. And so in the middle of all that, we started a class on parenting on Sunday evening because people thought we had a lot of kids. We knew something about parenting. So no, no, that's a different book. There's books on how to have babies. We had that book down pat. But the book about what to do with once it showed up, we hadn't read that one yet. We're just still dropping black rainwater out of heaven. And so I came from a big family I've shared several times. My dad had 12 brothers and sisters. My father had 12 brothers and sisters. So we had a really, really big family. And we liked a big family. I don't want to grow old by myself. I want somebody to take me dinner on Sunday. I want somebody to buy me a Winnebago and send me on a cruise. And uh, you're laughing. I'm very serious. If you ever find any of my kids, you can ask them. I've told my kids their whole life, don't buy anything from me. Uh, for Christmas that fits in the box. I go to Walmart by myself. So you're going to buy some. You either drive it up the driveway. It better be a cruise going somewhere. <laughs> and I've been on two cruises. I'm still waiting on the Winnebago. I'm still waiting on it. So a couple of Christmas ago, I said, how are you doing? They were saving up. We're still saying, God bless you, sugar. Big Winnebago, 32 foot, big one. And so uh, parents left for the children, children left for the parents. It's in the Bible. And that's our job. So what are you doing? Well, I'm laying for my children. Then I told our children, you owe me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, you owe me. And I have my oldest daughter who became, got her doctorate in college. She's real smart, always was smart. She got married, she's living in a gated community. And, uh, and she got where she didn't show up for about a month, you know. Now we get together, you know, a couple times a month, you know, the family, and go out and eat or whatever. She hadn't showed up in a while. I thought, where's she at? So I called and said, hey, we're kind of missing you. Where you at? Well, I just got real busy, Dad, you know, and they're both our careers and whatever. I thought, well, you need to show up every now and then. I said, well, we're just real busy. I said, you know what I'm going to do? Now, I told her on the phone. I said, I'm not going to bathe for two weeks. I'm not going to shave or bathe. I'm not going to change my clothes. And I'm going to sneak into that gated community one night. And I'm going to get in your front yard, and I'm going to put up a pup tent. And I'm going to build a fire. And I'm going to invite the Tulsa world to come out and interview me at sunup. And they're going to say, sir, is there a problem? Yes, these are my children, and they've abandoned me. You're laughing, but I was very serious when I said it, and they know I was. I'll mess you up. You owe me. Bless God you owe me. So family has always been a big thing for me because come from a big family. I love big families. I love having the fun and whatever. And so the greatest time to have babies, as a matter of fact, is in the last days. And I've had people challenge me. You know, you know, it's not right you have all those children. I had a kid, one of my students years ago, great kid. I really liked him, but he did not like that we had so many kids. He said, it's not right you have that many children. I said, why? He said, well, because we're running out of everything. We're running out of oil and gas, no zone. We're running out of stuff. 
I said, why don't you do me a paper on that? Because the class was called Biblical Worldview, and it was just for seniors. Do me a paper, you can stand up from the student body in nine weeks and give a report. I'll give you three minutes. Everybody had three minutes. He just, he's going to do it on, on world population. We're overcrowded. And so I didn't know what he's going to say. It's, it's a free deal. Say what you want to. So he got it. So said, well, my, my, pop, my subject is overpopulation because we're running out of stuff. But I realized uh, Mr. Gee made me do a paper on it. So we went through all the scripture stuff, and I realized we're not running out of anything. Now, at that time, there were 6.8 billion people on this planet. He said, I found out that all 6.8 billion people on this planet will fit inside the Jacksonville, Florida city limits. If you give everybody three square foot, every human in China, every human in Russia, every human in India, everybody in California, Texas, New York, every human on this planet will fit inside the Jacksonville, Florida city limits. Now, Jacksonville's a big town. It takes you an hour to drive north to south. Big old place. It's one of the largest cities in America. But every human We'll fit in out of Jacksonville. Well, you can have Texas all to yourself. <laughs> the point being, we're not running out of anything. The day Jesus comes back, there'll still be a thousand years left on this existing planet. A baby's being born, nobody dying. There's plenty of room. There's plenty of people, plenty of food. There's plenty of everything. The devil's a liar, and if you don't know the truth, you'll bite into the lie. And so we got plenty of stuff. We get, we're doing really good. I remember we went through the thing a few years ago, uh, back in the late 70s, 80s, where people were buying gas masks and storing up food. Then we had the year 2000. Computers are going to crash, and nothing's going to crash. We're in the greatest days of human history. We're in the last days. God's going to pour the spirit on all flesh. We're going to dream dreams. We're going to prophesy, have visions. It's an exciting time to be alive. There's never been a better time to get married. Never been a better time to have babies. God's moving like a freight train. Unless you're in the world, because <laughs> the world, they're, they're messed up right now. They're, they're afraid of everything. Man, it's going to happen, and this is going to happen. No, that's going to happen. This is the greatest day of human history. God's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. God's moving like a freight train. Now, it's not in the newspaper. You can't read it in the, in the Sunday Times. You'll have to get your Bible out and read it. So when I went through this process of having the big family, and I do all the weddings and funerals because I'm free. I'm free. And the... And so it doesn't matter whether you're Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Church of God, or heathen going to hell. I'll marry you and I'll bury you for free. So I'm, I'm, doing, a funeral, I'm doing a funeral in Copper Hill, Tennessee for an aunt. We went to heaven early and I really liked her. And uh, so we're going out to do the graveside service. And so I'm walking out the hall and there's, there's an uncle. My uncle's with me. Now he's not, he's not saved yet and I'm working on it. And so we're walking out, and he says, you people, you preachers. Now, I like him. He's a great uncle. I do. And you preach, you, you preach stuff. You try to scare people into the church. You scare people in church. There's no hell. There's no devil. I said, really? They were almost out the door to the hearse. We're going to the graveside service. I said, really? I said, I said here, read something. What? Right there, 2 Kings chapter 1. Read that. He said, why? Well, the Bible says when the word comes, the devil comes immediately. And since you don't believe there's a devil, read something, he'll show up. He said, close that book up. No, come here, let's read something. <laughs> I'm not lying. And he did not make it to the graveside service, and I haven't seen him since. <laughs> so, so I knew we were going to teach on family. So uh, people thought because we had all those kids, we knew something about us. I said, no, we're learning. And we have learned. Uh, so we go back to the Bible. Let's, let's start with the, with the first family, Adam and Eve. Everything's great. First six days of creation, everything's good. I mean, Clothes are cheap, food's free, weather's perfect. And God's talking to himself about the seventh, seventh day hasn't come yet. He's just going over the six days. And he said, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Then all of a sudden he said, not good. The first time God ever said not good about anything, he was looking at a man. He looked at Adam and said, not good. 
<laughs> I said, what's not good? You, not good. I said, why? I said, you're alone. Later and take a nap. So Adam passed out, took a nap, woke up missing a rib. In front of him was a centerfold of life. He woke up, whoa. God said, I thought you'd like that. And they went off to fellowship that day. It's in the Bible. You can read it. <laughs> and so they didn't milk the cows or feed any camels. They just went off to fellowship. And they said, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? What's that? I don't know. What's that? They figured it out. Most historians say by the time of the flood, there were 8 billion people on this planet. They figured it out. It's not that complicated. When I first started teaching on the family, I went to a local Christian bookstore and said, hey, you got any Christian books on sex and marriage? What? You got any Christian books on sex and marriage? Got some guy named Dobson wrote a book. I'll take that one. If you go into a Christian bookstore today and you say, have you got any books on sex and marriage? Mm, that'll be aisle two and aisle three. How do we make anything so simple, so complicated? And so when I would teach, I had to learn how to simplify things. So I would work with high school students for a number of years before we started traveling. And I said, i got to simplify this. It's not complicated. God's simple. Uh, they asked Jesus one time, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? They're trying to trick him. He's already messed with the Pharisees. Now he's messed with the Sadducees. What's the greatest commandment? He said, well, that's simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And actually, this is the second commandment, just as good as that one. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. He said, if you'll, if you'll do those two things, you will, you will fulfill the 17 books of the law. You don't even have to read the 17 books of the law. If you'll do these two things, you will fulfill all the law. Of course, they didn't know what to say. It messed them up. And so, so I realized something when I started teaching on family and parents. I said, you know, we're going to go back to the beginning. So I went back to the first family, Adam and Eve. Of course, you know, they sinned. Lucifer's been kicked out of heaven. You had the three big angels, you know, Michael, Gabriel, Lucifer. Lucifer was the big kumbaya of heaven. One day he went to the angelic union hall and he said, boys, I've been watching this guy for eons of time. I can take this old man. Talking about God. I can take this old man. He's talking about God. He said, I can take him. And the Bible says one third of the stupid angels stood up and said, we think you can too. And Lucifer led a rebellion in heaven. And they asked Jesus one time, said, you ever seen the devil? He said, mm-hmm. So what did he look like? Lightning bolt coming out of heaven. <laughs> Got fired from his job. <laughs> because God did not make this earth void and without form. A lot happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. So he's been fired from his job. So he's down here on the planet. He walks into the first family, and he gum flaps them out of everything. He says, are you sure God said? Are you sure God said? Listen, I tell people all the time, volume 2 is not coming out. God's hanging with volume 1. So you go ahead and read it. It's not going to change. It's a good book. The Bible says, 3 John 2, if I meditate in this book day and night, I'll prosper and have good success. Joshua 1, 8 says, if I meditate in this book day and night, I'll prosper and have good success. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, if I meditate in this book day and night, I'll prosper and have good success. Where's prosperity and success come from? God, not your IQ, not your GPA. They don't care if that, that kicks you out of kindergarten. God will determine your success. I collected 1,206 biographies from my high school students over a 10-year period. People that became millionaires and billionaires that had never finished high school. These are all millionaires and billionaires in America that never finished high school. Your gift makes room for you, brings forth kings, and makes you wealthy. Not your IQ, not your GPA. Now I'm an educator and I believe in it, but a, a degree won't get you a job. There are a lot of degree people who don't have jobs today, but your gift will get you a job. God said so. So let's just hang with God. We'll start from the beginning. So we go back to the first family. Here Adam and Eve got fired and evicted and need some mess. So God's looking down from heaven. Look at it, son. They shot their foot off. I'm going to have to send you down there to fix it. You're the only one I got. But you can't go like you. A human lost and a human's got to get it back. 
I'm going to be shoving that mother's womb. Now I'm going to say, she's going to shove you out. You're going to spend 30 years just figuring out who you are. You're finally going to meet this camel hair buggy in Baptist. She's going to dunk you on the water. You're going to come up. I'll stick my hand out of heaven. You're it. It's in the book. It's a great story. They, they made a movie about it, I think. It's, it's a good movie. Anyhow, so, so you start going through the, the characters, and you go through it. So Adam went south, and then all of a sudden, you come to the book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible, one of the longest books. I love the book of Job. And uh, people don't like the book of Job, and they've tried to explain it away. Job is what it is. God, the angels are coming to see God. Now, Lucifer's been fired. He's down on the earth. He's been fired. But the angels are coming to report to God. And it's very detailed in Job. They report to him, and all of a sudden, Lucifer showed up when the angels are coming to God. And God asked Lucifer, hey, big boy, where you been? He said, I've been walking to and fro all over the earth. And one translation said, I've look, been looking for somebody to devour. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And I thought, God, I love you, but please don't put me out to the devil. I'm doing good on my own. God bless you. But God showed Job. He said, hey, you consider my servant Job? Man, he's good, isn't he? Righteous man, does what's right, fears God, raises kids right. Man, he's filthy, stinking rich. And so the devil said, well, sure. Sure, Job loves you. Bless his socks off. Filthy, stinking rich. Wife sucking lips off his face. Kids make good grades in school. Sure. He said, but you take this stuff away from him, he'll curse you to your face. And God said, well, go ahead. And he said, what? Go ahead. Because you can't touch him physically. So all of a sudden, in one day, hell landed. I mean, people came in. They stole his camels. They stole his sheep. Stole his cattle. Uh, a big storm came. The kids were meeting in one house. All ten of his kids. The roof fell in. Killed all of his kids. And they're coming to Job. Hey, Job, they stole all the cattle. Hey, they stole all these sheep. Hey, you know, they stole all your stuff. And all of a sudden, he realized, and his kids were dead. In one day. He drops on his knees, curses up sackcloth and ashes. And he said, well, God bless. And God took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so his wife got mad and said, why don't you just curse God and die? I said, no, God didn't do this. All of a sudden, the devil shows back up in Job chapter 2. And he said, where you been, devil? He said, I've been walking to and fro. He said, well, I'll see what you've done to Job. He said, have you considered my servant Job? He's still a righteous man. Still loves me, still fears me. Sure, you take his health away, though, he'll curse you to your face. And so he said, Okay, go ahead, but you can't kill him. But you go ahead and make him sick. So all of a sudden, that even Job has balls pop out all over his body. And that was a common disease back then. When you have balls, you can't sit, stand, lay down. You are in pain. So all of a sudden, he's got balls all over his body. And now you have 30 chapters of Job of his friends that showed up. They'd heard he'd been going through hard times. They showed up. And when they saw Job, they were so shocked. He looked so bad. And he's broke and his Peeps were gone, his kids are dead, and his stuff's been stolen. They fell on their face, covered themselves with sackcloth and ashes. They wouldn't even talk to Job for seven days. They just stared at him. They, they fasted for seven days. Oh, father. And, uh. Day eight, they start talking. And what it was was, what did you do so wrong? He said, what? What did you do wrong? Nothing. Oh, you had to do something wrong. Hell doesn't land on people unless they did something wrong. No, I didn't do anything wrong. And so it's 30 chapters of him trying to get him to confess what he did wrong. And so finally he goes to this whole, and so we get down to about chapter 38, and all of a sudden, you know, Job finally says something stupid. He finally says, the essence of, maybe I shouldn't even have been born. I don't even know why I was born. And that's the first time God speaks. He said, I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> he said, Job won't answer him. He said, what did you say? And he won't answer. He said, uh, let me ask you a question. Where were you when I created the heavens? You ever flown through space? He said, no. He said, I have. 
You ever walked on the bottom of the ocean? I can't swim. I have. And all of a sudden, there's two chapters of questions. Have you ever? Have you ever? All of a sudden, Joe gets the end. And he says, forget it, God. I'm sorry. You are God. Well, his friends, for 30 chapters, were trying to get him to admit his sin. And so God said, your friends have sinned, but if you'll pray for them, I'll forgive them. So Job, a man that's broke, kids are dead, all of his stuff's gone, boils all over his body. He said, come here, guys, I'm going to pray for you because you're, you're in deep trouble with God. And he prays for his friends, and God forgives them. And as soon as God forgives his friends, his boils cleared up. And the Bible says, and God repaid Job double everything he lost. He got double the cattle, double the sheep. He had 10 more kids. He was the richest man in all the country. And if you read to the end of Job, they're asking, so I guess they had a little dinner one time, and they're asking, hey, Job, what was all that stuff that happened to you several years ago? He said, I don't know. And he didn't. What do you know? God is looking for people that fear him. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. With that wisdom comes long life, riches, and honor. What's the number one thing? I pray it twice a day. I prayed it this morning. I'll pray it tonight. Father, I give you permission to teach my children to fear you. I give you permission to teach my children to fear you. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. And with that wisdom comes long life, riches, and honor. I want my kids to fear God. Sing the greatest thing I want. What do you want? I want my kids to fear God because they fear God, they'll be fine. I don't care what their IQ is, how many degrees they've got. If you fear God, you'll be fine. If you don't fear God, hell's coming. And I want you to whip hell because you've been destined to whip hell. The Bible says you resist the devil, he will flee us in sheer terror. And so when you're going down through the family line, you're going to Job's like, man, that turned out good. You come down to Abraham. Abraham's an old man, couldn't have any kids. It's a sad story. I mean, he's 100, his wife's 90. You know, and an angel shows up one day. Hey, old man, how you doing? Pretty good. God's been watching you. God's going to bless you. He's going to make you have so many kids. You'll have kids as, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the sands of the sea. Now, this is a guy who's 100. He doesn't work anymore. This is before Viagra and Cialis. <laughs> he, he hadn't worked in a while. And so the angel said, you're going to have kids like the stars of heaven, the sands of the sea. And he said, all right. <laughs> and, and, and so Sarah, Sarah, is in the tent listening. And the Bible says Sarah heard what they said, and she bust out laughing. She said in the King James, she says, shall I have pleasure seeing my Lord being old also? Again, before Viagra and Cialis. I know we're in church. I hope you get this. Some of you get it about lunchtime. The angel heard her laugh and said, you laughed. And she lied. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. And so... God promised, you know, so anyhow, about two or three days later, Abraham woke up one morning. <laughs> and he said, hey, I'm back. <laughs> and I don't know what they did, but they did a lot of hugging and kissing for several weeks. But the problem is now Sarah can't get pregnant. He said, well, God told me, I, you thought I was a problem. You thought I was a problem. You, I'm not the problem. You're the problem. <laughs> and so he says, and so she said, well, take my hand, handmaiden Hagar and, and have a child with, with her. And he did. So Ishmael's born. Well, the women fight all the time, you know. Isaac's finally born. He's got two women and two kids now. And they're fighting all the time. So God speaks to Abraham late one night. Hey, you got to get rid of that woman. What woman? The woman you asked for. That wasn't my will. It was Sarah. You, you, you moved too quick. You got to kick her out of the house. Oh, you're kidding. So he goes to Hagar and said, you got to leave. So Hagar texts, you know, Ishmael, and they leave. And so they wander from the house. They're out in the desert. They're dying of thirst. They're falling on the ground. So an angel shows up. Hey, don't worry, sugar. We got you covered. 
God's got a man of his word. He promised to bless the seed of Abraham. You're the seed of Abraham. And that's why they own all the oil. <laughs> now, I told you something that'll take you weeks to study, but they own all the oil. <laughs> they own all the oil. God promised to bless them. Well, then Isaac comes along, and all of a sudden he turns 18, and they go to the mountain. You know, it's where the, the temple mount is in Jerusalem. They go to the mountain and offer a sacrifice. There's a big rock up there. And so they go there every year to offer a sacrifice. So Abraham takes Isaac up there, and they're up there, and, they, you know, the people stay down at the foot of the mountain. He and his son go up, and they got the wood, build a fire. And all of a sudden, Isaac said, hey, Dad, we forgot the sacrifice. No, son, I got a story to tell you. Lay down here. And he tied his son up and said, you're the sacrifice. And all of a sudden, he raised his knife up. He's going to stab his son. He's going to stab his son. And when the knife went up, God said, stop. I saw your heart. In your heart, you just gave me your son. You don't need to stab him. In your heart, you just gave me your son. There's a ram caught in the thicket. Use that. And so I did the ram. And of course, you know, God came down and walked circle eight with all of them. Made a covenant with Abraham. There's only one man on this planet that ever God ever asked him a son. God had a legal situation. I need to send my son to earth, but I can't. I need a man on earth to give me his son so legally I can give my son to earth. God does not cheat. That's what prayer is. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. If you'll ask, I'll answer. You need to ask. That's why you need to pray all the time. Pray in the morning. Pray without ceasing when you get up and you lie down. Keep that mouth moving all the time. That's why you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Man, let that act like you're at a camp meeting. Except don't do it at a camp meeting. Do it at home. Shonda Hikimo, who stole my Honda. I said, what are you doing? I'm just praying in the Holy Ghost. What are you doing when you're praying in the Holy Ghost? I'm praying the absolute perfect will of God. God's moving like a freight train. The angels are flapping wings and things are happening. What are you praying? I don't have a clue, but it's the will of God. <laughs> yeah, some have some. Anyhow, now we got the situation like, what's going on? Well, Abraham's blessed and his family's blessed. And so now you come down. So this is a real short sermon. It's only three minutes long and this is it. Uh, I've got this in the book, but we sold out in the first service. <laughs> it's called Man, Lover, Leader, Provider. I've had this in me for years. So I finally got it in book form because people say, well, what do you know? I teach on family and marriage, but you know, I never taught on men. If I did, it's like real simple. So what do you, well, men are asked to do three things. All men are asked to do three things. All men are lovers. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. My job is to love my wife like Christ loved me. Jesus loved me when I wasn't lovable. I was going to hell on purpose, and God still sent his son to die for me. God loved me before I ever loved him. That's how I'm to love my wife. I tell people marriage is, is, a, is a covenant. A marriage is a funeral. Hallmark has the cards all wrong. It's just like, I'm so sorry I heard you got married. <laughs> because if you don't die at that ceremony, you're a half-dead zombie. What you're saying at that ceremony, you're swearing before God witnesses, from this day forward, I'm living for them. I'm not living for me anymore. I'm going to be whatever my wife needs me to be. Whenever she needs me to be in. And so I tell people, you know, my first marriage, I was married for 45 years, but man, we fought a lot those first few years. It took a while to kind of learn what was going on because uh, I, I like Coca-Cola when I was a kid. I worked for the Coca-Cola company. I went to college. Coca-Cola, it's the real thing. It says so on the bottle. The real thing. <laughs> Pepsi's a watered-down children's drink. I don't want no stinking Pepsi. I want Coca-Cola. <laughs> and so my wife loved Pepsi. And so she says, Joe, pick me up a Pepsi. I wouldn't do it. I come home with a two-liter bottle of Coca-Cola. So I want to put, your parents messed you up. You don't know what's right. This is the best right here. <laughs> My parents used Tide. Her parents used Cheer. I got some skanky jeans. Jeans, I work all day. I need some Tide. I need, some, I need a Cheer nothing up. This ain't by no stinking Cheer. 
And so we'd fight over the dumbest stuff. And so we're driving to Little Rock one day, and we're doing a seminar. And we're in a good mood. We're just her and I. We're listening to the radio. And I'm thinking, God, there's something I've been praying about for three years that hasn't been happening. I said, Lord, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And uh, I said, well, it's because your wife likes Pepsi. Now, God said that. You don't have to believe that. Your wife likes Pepsi. I said, well, she, she didn't know any better. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not making this up. I'm thinking to myself. So about a few minutes later, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost trying to figure out, what is it? Why is this happening? I bound the devil, pled the blood. Why didn't it happen? And all of a sudden, I heard God say, your wife likes Pepsi. I thought, uh-oh. So I pulled in the parking lot in Fatville, and I said, honey, I need to, I need to apologize for repent. From this day forward, I'm drinking Pepsi. I'll drink Pepsi until Jesus comes. I'm not drinking my Coca-Cola. You like Pepsi? I like Pepsi. From now on, we're using cheer detergent. No more Tide. We're using cheer. I love cheer. I love what you love. <laughs> we're in front of a dealer's on the second floor. We went in the mall and went upstairs. And I took a yellow pad. I said, now, what is Because I didn't like buying female stuff. I hated it. I said, now, what is that mascara you've used? What is that brand again? Uh, what size of your panties do you wear? What kind of dress? What's your bra size? What kind of cologne, perfume do you use? And I wrote down a list, and I kept it on my iPhone forever. So if my wife sent me for something, I brought it home. I love my wife. I want you to suck the lips off my face. I tell people, take a lot of pictures on the wedding day because it's going downhill from there. Because <laughs> you get fat and slobbery and continental shifts, and your chest drops to your belly button, and hair grows out of your ears, and... <laughs> my son, I never took him to a barber until he was, he was five, and all of a sudden the barber's working on me, and he's looking, he's like, Dad, what's he doing? Cutting the hair out of my ear, son. Why? Well, it got tired. It wouldn't go all the way to the top. <laughs> and one hair said, Ooh, daylight, daylight, shortcut, shortcut. All men are called to be lovers. Number two, all men are called to be leaders. First Corinthians 11, 3. As God is the head of Christ, Christ is over the man, man's over the woman, woman's over the children, children over the dog, dog's over the cat, cat's over the mouse, mouse over the cheese, cheese over the cracker. Pecking order in the kingdom of God. But the word there is not dictator, it's source. God is the source of Christ. He said, I only do what I see my father do, I only say what I hear him say. Turns around to man, he said, man, listen, I'm not going to be Lord of you. I'll give you, I'll give you a choice. Uh, you can choose to serve me or not serve me. So man says, no, I'm serving God. I'm going to admit. Man's turned to his wife and said, I'm not your dictator. What do you want? I'm either going to write a check for it or start believing God for it. We're the source of our family. We've got to be the second greatest thing ever happened to our family outside of Jesus. So I'm a lover. I'm a leader. And number three, I'm a provider. First Timothy 5, 8. Any man that does not financially provide for his family is worse than an infidel. He's the one who's denied the faith. I was busting my can. I had two jobs. Worked a third every now and then. Bouncing checks like ping pong balls on the concrete floor. And I got mad one day. My wife was washing dishes, and I just lost my temper. I said, it's never enough, is it? It's just never stinking enough. She looked around real calm. No, Joe, you need to make more money. <laughs> and I realized that was my job, so I've taught my son-in-laws very well. So all men are lovers, leaders, and providers. That's what we do. It's a very simple process, and God will empower us, and he'll help us do it. Let's stand up. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. And according to your word, we are, as men of our household, we are lovers, we are leaders, we are providers. Father, we ask you to help us. Without you, nothing is possible. With, but with you, Father, all things are possible, Father. We can do all things through Christ. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just 60 seconds. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking. Two questions. Are you here this morning? You say, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never asked him into my heart, but God's been dealing with me. I would like to do something about that this morning. If that's you, I'd like to pray a 30-second prayer over you right out of the book of Romans. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward. Men don't save men. God saves men. 
But if that's you in just a few seconds, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and wave it at me. Put it right back down. God's going to save you right where you stand. Old things are going to pass away. All things are going to be made new. God will make you a new creature in Christ. It's that simple. Or perhaps you're here and said, Joe, I'm saved, but I haven't been living for God lately, but I've been stirred this morning. I'm ready to get serious with Jesus. Well, if that's you, you can pray the exact same prayer out of Romans. We're going to pray with these other people, and God in heaven will forgive you every sin you've ever committed. In a moment of time, he will take your sin as far as the east is from the west, put it in the depths of the sea. There'll be no record of your sin in heaven, and God will make the devil pay back seven times whatever he stole from you. It will never get easier than this. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, say, Joe, that's me. I need to get born again this morning. Would you pray that prayer for me? And Joe, that's me. I want to rededicate my life. If that's you on either count, right now, would you just raise your hand, wave it at me, put it right back down, Joe. Joe, pray for me. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, your bonus. Thank you for there. Thank you there. Thank you up there. Yes, back there. I saw your hand there. Anyone else? Yes, thank you for your hand up there. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? It'll never get easier than this. God does the saving. God does the forgiving. He just needs our permission. Anyone else? Joe, I've not raised my hand yet. Please include your prayer. Anyone else? Anyone? Yes, thank you right there. Thank you back there. All right, heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what we're going to do. Those of you that raised your hands, we're going to pray with you. God's going to do the two greatest things he can do. He's going to save souls and forgive sins. So people, let's help him pray this morning. Let's help them. Everybody in here, say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me. And you raised him from the dead. I ask him now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for the hands that went up this morning, either for the first time ever or as a simple reaffirmation of their faith in you, according to your holy word and their obedience as of right now, they are cleansed, forgiven, blood-bought, born-again children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil's not their Lord anymore. They are your sheep. You are their shepherd. Father, they're going to hear your voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. As they lead today, Father, surround them with a shield of divine favor. May people begin to look at them with a new set of eyes. And Father, bring godly friends into their life that will strike iron and cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.